Okay, well, welcome. Um, whether you're joining us in person or online, we're so glad you're here. Um, just to sort of switch gears a little bit, um, I'm gonna move into something called deep thoughts and shout outs, okay? Um, now, if maybe you did or didn't, but I grew up with um, Saturday Night Live as a kid, <laughs> and one of my favorite segments was Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. So I, I was inspired today to have a few of my own deep thoughts and shout outs, um, but I also dug out my favorite Jack Handy deep thought because I wanted to read it just for fun. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with them, at least now we'll get you up to speed. So Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. It says, one thing kids like to be is tricked. For instance, I was going to take my little nephew to Disneyland, but instead I drove him to an old burned out warehouse. <laughs> oh no, I said, Disneyland burned down. <laughs> he cried and cried, but I think that deep down he thought it was a pretty good joke. <laughs> I, started, I started to drive over to the real Disneyland, but it was getting pretty late. <laughs> so this is, that is the inspiration. Um, and although mine are not going to be nearly as funny, here's my first deep thought and shout out. Um, a few weeks ago, I stood on this stage and prayed for uh, and sent off Tom Johnson and the Slovakia team. And something that really struck me and that I, that I ended up repeating here on stage was a comment from a few of the team members about lowering their expectations. And for some reason that like just lit this little spark in me and I was like, that is brilliant. And I, I ended up mentioning in, it in front of all of you and I got some flack for it and I got some pushback from a number of people. Um, and then I offhandedly said that I wanted to get it on a, tr on a shirt and, okay, so I got on a shirt now and I want, my shout out is to Nicole because I'd never met you before and you're newish to open door and you made me this shirt and delivered it to me last Sunday. So <laughs> thank you. Um, and for those of you that know me or don't know me, I don't take myself too seriously or I try not to, but I, I, I do take my spiritual life and my life with Jesus very seriously. Um, it's really important to me, which I'm sure that you find that comforting. Um, but here's why, here's why I want to tell you this story, because this t-shirt actually uh, means a lot to me. Because, and I'll just share this with you, because it's, it's been a little bit here, just in general in my life, where I felt like I've been kind of going through the motions a little bit as it relates to church and life, and um, if I can actually even say that, but I've come to the place where this is not a bad thing, but it's a really uncomfortable thing when I'm in that place where things just feel kind of stuck, and they feel super familiar, and it feels like I'm on repeat again, and I, I don't know if I'm the only person that feels this way. I'm not gonna ask for a share of hands, um, and I'm okay if that I am, but, it, but um, if there are other people out there and you're feeling like you're just kind of going through the motions in some aspects of life, whether it's in relationships or in, in just in life in general or in your actual spiritual life, here's what I want to say to you and what I'm gonna say also to me is that that's totally okay and you are right exactly where you need to be 
because I, I believe that there's a beautiful invitation in the middle of it. When I shared this with my spiritual director, um, that I was just feeling like I'm kind of going through the motions a bit. She invited me to consider a few questions and I want to share them with you because they were super helpful to me. And she asked me, what parts, uh, so she asked me, what parts of life are on holy repeat? And what parts of life are on soul sucking repeat? <laughs> and she asked me if I could identify areas where, where Christ was being formed in me, the ordinary, mundane places where I'm just invited to show up over and over and over again. And that's the good and necessary repeat that we, that actually Christ is formed in us. That's the holy repeat over and over and over again. And she asked me if I could identify areas that were holding me, that were, where I was holding on to something that wasn't necessary, that I was putting on repeat, that I need to let go of in order to feel less stuck. That's the soul sucking repeat. Because we don't, we actually, and this isn't, this is for everybody, and I'm speaking to myself, but we don't get out of um, life on repeat. It's one of the mysteries of the spiritual life. The typical small acts of obedience, the tiny yeses that, are, that deeply form in us the nature of Christ. So there are things that are on repeat, but what we can do is pay attention to the other areas where things might no longer fit and they no longer serve us well. So a comment in the GP leads to a statement in the sanctuary, which led to this beautiful t-shirt which is such a kindness of God that in lowering my expectations and the outcomes of my life and raising my expectancy that God is more present than I know and that he would be even kind enough to meet me in a t-shirt. So I started to lean into that invitation and I'm, I am not asking everyone to start adopting this strategy for life. But Jesus and I are... <laughs> <clears throat> and my first step in that was to be compassionate with myself about being in a stuck place. Now, that was not as funny as Jack Handy. <laughs> but it's a, at least a little bit deepish. My second deep thought and shout out is about the practice of hospitality. I've been super surprised at how remarkable this practice is that we can offer a welcoming presence of Christ so that another person might experience it. And my eyes have been so open to how important and necessary this practice is. And I've loved seeing life through this lens this summer. If you are unfamiliar with what I'm talking about in the terms of how we're practicing this as a community, there's a booklet that you can get on the way out. And it kind of says every, it's got some practical a practical guide, um, it has some scripture to follow along with. Um, and one of my favorite acts of hospitality so far this summer, and you probably could guess, is the donut moment. Raise your hand if you like it too. A lot more of you eat them <laughs> than are pre pretending like, oh, I think it's fine, but I'll have the one with sprinkles. Um, so my shout out is to all the people that have been helping with the donut moment on Sundays. It's such a team effort, it's so fun. I've met so many new people at Open Door and so it's super fun. 
Such a great way to hop in and meet new friends and to serve people donuts. We've had three donut moment pop-ups in people's yards, and I've met a ton of people's neighbors. And a few weeks ago, we brought donuts down by the river in St. Paul to offer a treat and a bottle of water to some of our friends that are experiencing homelessness. Rose met us down there, and it was super eye-opening. Um, it was a super eye-opening experience for me and for others, and I'm so looking forward to going again this Tuesday. So that's this idea of hospitality that we carry within ourselves, the ability to offer a welcoming presence of Christ to another, and we just do it along the way. And so um, I have one more deep thought and shout out. And it is for Joel. And your last Sunday, uh, first thing I wanna say is, boo, this is how I feel, boo, yay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna so miss your presence and I've loved partnering with you in literally everything and anything. Um, I'm gonna miss the clever text messages during meetings where we're supposed to be paying attention. <laughs> and I've learned so much from you about excellence and creativity. Um, if I could bump shoulders with you, I think I hit like your elbow, but I will miss bumping shoulders with you and hearing about your newest uh, Old Testament and rabbinic music. Uh, and I think, I mean, I think we've said it all too. Thank you for the roots that you've tended to here at Open Door that, um, that grow deep and wide. So thank you, Joel and family. Um, and we'll be singing over you guys and sending you off and blessing you at the end of the service. So as we get into the text, I found out I was speaking the same Sunday as, as Joel sending, and I called him crying on Monday. Um, and although, although I'm sad that you're leaving, as I studied, I found this text to be so comforting. And knowing that you are in the process of becoming more like Jesus and that you and your family are growing in your obedience to where God is leaving, leading you next into a big and beautiful story and many times I enter scripture with a question, something that piques my curiosity, something that makes me wonder. Sometimes it might center around a misunderstanding that I have or a discomfort that I have with the words of Jesus. And sometimes I have to like kind of dig and work for a question, but not in this passage because um, it's on repeat and we've heard, it, we've heard it before. Are you guys ready to dive into the scripture? Woo. Okay. Um, so as we pick up where we left off in the book of Mark in chapter eight, so if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there to the, to the beginning of chapter eight. We see Jesus feeding another large crowd again. In nearly the exact same way, the numbers and details are a little bit different, but these two stories are back to back. They're only several chapters apart. So enter my brilliant question. Are you ready for it? Why? Yeah? So just why? Why are these two stories almost the exact same? Why are they next to each other? Why is he saying this again? And thus begin the dive into scripture, and I can't wait to share you what I found and where the text led me. While studying, I came across an image and a commentary that was super, help, super helpful in understanding what might be going on in this portion of text. So if we wanna toss that slide up there. There, there she is. Uh, this image is, a, is very simplified. Can I just say that? But it captures the span over parts of chapters six, seven, and eight. 
So here's a full image. We've already covered the scriptures in chapters six and seven uh, over the last few weeks, and you'll see that on the left side of the image. And now we're starting back up at the top on the right side at chapter eight. And today's text will take us through the feeding, the crossing, and the conflict, and the bread. The last two that you see there, the healing and the confession of faith, um, are, are going to be in the, in the coming week, so we won't, we're not gonna dive into those, but I'll reference those because I think they're critical to understanding why Mark is reiterating the pattern that you see and why we are back this morning at the feeding of the large crowd of people. Mark is responsible for arranging this information and to help the listener or the reader understand what's being said or written. And he has arranged this as an important pattern for us to pay attention to here. We are essentially on repeat while we have been in the last few chapters and it's clearly to Mark something worth repeating, worth reemphasizing, that, that's what's happening here. One might even call it, the scripture is on holy repeat, something we need to see again. So let's break, um, we're gonna break a few of these down. So if we enter into the text of Mark 8, one through nine, we'll take a deep breath um, and receive this gift of scripture that is the good news of Jesus. During those days, another large crowd gathered since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. <clears throat> Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. So here we've got, we're gonna cover two portions. We've got the feeding of the multitude and the crossing of the sea. One of the first things that we see here in the feeding of the multitude is Jesus' compassion for those that are listening to him. They traveled great distances and were there with him for three days. And this is such a beautiful highlighted view of Jesus' relationship to people that, that Mark does not want us to miss his sensitivity and awareness to the needs of people is evident. And I love this picture of Jesus. Because of their current location, we can make some assumptions that the population is much more a mix of, of not only Jews, but also Gentiles. And they are about to sit down and share a meal together, which is something that could easily be missed as we read, but this is a huge deal because at this point in the story, we are beginning to see God's vision for the church and who is invited into it. And it's expanding, it's getting way bigger than they thought, it's expanding and it's, and it's expanding. In both chapters six and eight, Jesus involves the disciples in, work, in the work of feeding the crowds. And in the back and forth exchange, a need is initiated, 
Jesus wants to know how many loaves of bread they have. The disciples give what they need and Jesus gives thanks. He breaks the bread and he makes this enormous feast out of it. He puts it back into the hands of the disciples and they distribute it. As Mark retells nearly the exact same story again, it's like he's saying, this is Jesus. I need to tell, I I gotta tell you again because I need you to understand it. I need you to understand his compassion and his awareness. I need you to, to understand that he feeds hungry people. His view of the church is expanding and he will take whatever you have and, he's gonna, and he's, he will give you what you need and more. On repeat. As the disciples gather all the seven extra baskets of food, they sent the people away and they hopped in the boat and crossed the sea. This, this crossing of the sea in chapter eight is super short. The story in Mark is much longer and covers Jesus walking on water and reminding the disciples to not be afraid so here we're just getting a snippet because he's already, we're getting a shorter version because he's already told the story. But as we read, there is an anticipation that's building. So we feel like Jesus is on the move. He's bop, we, we don't even know where he's gonna pop up next. He's literally going from boom, boom, place to place on the sea. First he's here, then he's there, and he's like just bopping around the sea. And it almost gives you this imagination that Jesus could show up anywhere, that he's traveling, that he's moving towards people. And again, Mark, wants that Mark is telling you this again. This is Jesus. We enter back into the text in, in verse 11 and it says, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven he sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back in the boat and crossed to the other side. <clears throat> Here again, so we've got the feeding of the multitude, the crossing of the sea, and now we have a conflict with the Pharisees. Again, and in chapter six, Jesus went right after the Pharisees about how they appear clean on the outside, but they're defiled by what's inside. And here they're demanding a sign. And when I read this, I was like, what? What, what, what else do you need to see? Jesus has been performing signs all over the place. And they know about it. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. This, it's literally like all he's been doing. But they're not asking for a miracle because they had seen and heard plenty of it. And as far as they were concerned, these were just actions. What they wanted was a sign from heaven, evidence of the proof and authority that God was with him. And Jesus sighs deeply because there's nothing that he can prove to them. And they cannot see the son of God standing right in front of their face because he looks nothing like what they thought and he is not what they expected and they are left in this stuck place of unbelief. They absolutely cannot believe that this is the Messiah. I mean, can you imagine if they had my shirt? <laughs> if I could travel back in time and be like, you guys, lower your expectations of what you thought. 
Because so often that's the case, that they, the expectations are so out of whack that they can't even receive this unexpected Jesus, the fullness of God in their midst. They're demanding a sign and they miss the presence of God. Right after this conversation, Jesus hops back in the boat and he bolts. And they leave so fast that the disciples forget all of the extra baskets of food from the feeding. They forget everything that was left over. We'll pick up in verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring the bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Do you not see? Are your hearts hard? Do your eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets, basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? We are in this pattern of Mark. The feeding of the multitude, the crossing of the sea, the conflict with the Pharisees, and now another conversation about bread. And they forgot to bring the bread. <laughs> the extra abundance of the seven basketfuls from a feast that Jesus had laid out for them. There are also fish in the stories um, in both chapters six and eight, but the fish are insignificant. The bread is what it's all about. And actually, as, as I looked over the last uh, three chapters, there's so many references for bread. It's like bread, 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 bread. There's literally bread everywhere in chapters six through eight. The disciples forget to take it with them and Jesus mentions the word yeast and they all think that Jesus is being passive aggressive about forgetting the bread. Like, uh, what about the yeast? And they're like, oh, did he, oh, the bread, the yeast, oh, what? But I can assure you that Jesus is not passive aggressive. So they just started to discuss it among the, each other and some translations say that they argued among each other saying, did you say that because we forgot, like we forgot the bread? And Jesus says, seriously? Why are we talking about having no bread? You're missing, you're still missing the point. And I don't know if you caught this. It, it took me a little while to catch this, but they actually do have a loaf with them. And this, this is the kicker. They don't have any of the extra basketfuls, but they have one loaf. And this is like a fireworks moment in the text. Because like the Pharisees, they can't even see it either. Yes, Jesus can feed. And yes, he can heal. And yes, he cares about your needs and he's sensitive. But more than that, he has come near. And his presence is among them in the boat because Jesus is that one loaf of bread. 
He says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod who demand signs and remain unbelieving. And more than, more than wanting signs, more than desiring signs or to see God in things, Jesus is inviting his disciples into the presence of God. God is with them in the boat. And this is not as much about signs and wonders, but is the gift of intimacy with God. We're not going to be reaching the end of the pattern um, for a few more weeks because um, this sequence includes another healing and then it ends with Peter's confession that Jesus is the Messiah, which is the main point of Mark's book in Mark 1. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the pivot point of the book. And as we have repeated the sequence, Mark is not, Mark is not wanting us to miss this. And as we continue through the book of Mark, we're gonna come right alongside Peter and the disciples as they realize that Jesus, as the Messiah, continues to not be what they expected. And I, I'm so looking forward to us as a church to journey alongside them as they work it out. Because I would guess that many of us, with me included, are still learning what it is like to live with Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. We're all still learning what it's like to pay more attention to his presence in and among us than signs and wonders. And after all, that after all that he has multiplied in the abundance that is left over, it is the one loaf in the boat that matters. And this is actually in the text where I found the most comfort in sending you Joel. And I think what I'm sending you all into because I see so many of you following the bread. And you and your family are continuing, you, you will continue to learn what it looks like to get in that boat with Jesus. And again, it's not just for you, it's for everybody leaving some of the safety and security behind these basketfuls that we feel like we need to carry with us. But those are not the point. Because ultimately, this is what we are all invited into, this unfolding story of partnership with God and becoming disciples of Jesus. And that is beautiful. And like I said, I see it in your story and I see it in so many stories, this embodiment, living into this story. And that is what we say yes to in you, Joel, and your family. And that is what we say yes to in all of you. That we can get really distracted by the signs and the wonders and where we see God and all, like, do we feel him? Do we, like, but it's about that one loaf. It's about presence. And sometimes just lowering our expectations and raising our expectancy that the presence of God is near and it is among us and it leads us. And we as a congregation can offer you the gift of hospitality by blessing you and offering you the welcoming presence of Christ into your next thing, whatever that is. As you walk into where God is calling you next. I think I've already said this, but this is not just about Joel's story, but it's a really good story that points us back to Jesus. 
And so as we sort of wrap up, I would love to invite Joel and his girls um, and Dave up. So good. Uh, church family, um, uh, and, and really I just wanna look to you, and I, can I just say, I'm, we are so grateful that even in this threshold, you're still a part of our church family. We get to have a front row seat and watching what God does and all of this, and so today, um, that's what this is, by the way, and we say it all the time, um, you all capture it so beautifully that this is a family gathering. It's not a show it's not a production, it's a family gathering. So right now, we get the opportunity to be a family and to really come around them and speak words of truth and words of blessing. And so let's do that. Let's practice being living into that identity together. Uh, so I'd love to invite everyone to stand up here in our worship collective. Uh, if you're anyone who's here that's a part of our worship collective, our elders, staff family, uh, that'd like to be a part of this moment, we just wanna invite you up. We're gonna make one big party here on the platform. So, um, so come on up. Everybody, we'll give you just a moment to do that. Meanwhile, I have a song that I want to sing to yeah, you real quick. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> I feel time. We feel time the same. Yeah, we do. Oh, so good. It's so good. Well, let's, we're going to do this a little interactive style. Um, first, we're gonna speak um, words and prayers over all of you as a family um, and just be led by God in that. And then uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna practice hospitality together. Now, we're all gonna sing the blessing. If you're not familiar with the blessing, it's a, it's a Hebrew scripture, Old Testament um, uh, blessing that has uh, become kind of a, a soundtrack of our community in this season. And so we're actually gonna sing that over Joel and his family, but also um, we're gonna sing that over each other. And then this is really cool. As we were talking about this, Joel, you were like, and I wanna sing that over my church family. Um, but let's just do this. Uh, I wanna invite you four to just really open up your ears in this moment to hear. Uh, and then church family, everyone who's on the platform today, uh, just ask yourself right now, when you look at this beautiful family, what words come to mind that you're compelled to pray for them, compelled to declare over them? Now, this is gonna be a little bit messy, but that's okay. We're a family, and all families are messy, Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, so we're gonna speak over each other a little bit, um, but one of the prayers that, uh, that I was just praying as this idea came to mind is um, that you would hear the words that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And so let's just let those words ring out. When you look at them, what word of blessing, encouragement, or prayer, one word, do you want to speak over them today? Don't be bashful, don't be shy. Speak it out, whether here or out here. Let's bless them this morning. 